With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Davis and you're watching the Sons of UCF Live. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Welcome in to the Sons of UCF Live. Happy Gus Gorilla Bowl Eve, everyone. Let us welcome in the Sons of UCF. A couple of jolly old elves, Adam and Mike. Hello. So we're not doing Christmas sweaters? <laughs> no. no, I you guys I didn't know. We were doing Christmas sweaters. I got my Christmas. Okay. All right. I welcome. like it. Thanks for, thanks for joining. It only gets down to like 72 degrees down here, so. I don't need a sweater. I mean, I got my sleeves rolled up. <laughs> this isn't full sweater here. Uh, guys, hello. Men's basketball halftime wrapping up. Uh, lead 43-36 over North Alabama. North Alabama shooting lights out from three. Eight of 17. Knights cold from three. One of 11. C.J. Walker with eight points to lead the Knights. We'll keep track of that throughout the show for you. You know, I, I came prepared, by the way, a couple of holiday jokes for this hour lunch. Oh, I know it's your favorite part. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's Come there? Who's there? Harry. Harry who? Harry up and give me some Christmas presents. <laughs> there, there will be more later, but uh, let's. Well, there, uh, boy. there will be. There will be. Let's transition into the Gus Barilla Bowl as we go live less than 24 hours until the matchup between UCF and Florida in Tampa. Knights favored by a little. I mean, uh, Gators favored by a little less than a touchdown. Guys, how you feeling about this one? Excited, Trace. I mean, this is the last one of the year. Obviously, it's a, a an in-state rival, a, a team we've wanted to play for a long time. The fan bases are definitely getting after it on Twitter, uh, and we're we're just 24 hours away. Can't wait for this one to kick off. I, I just hope we show up and play well. I mean, I want to see a good game, but uh, definitely excited for this one. It's uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting end to an interesting season. So hopefully, we can end it on a high note. You know me, I'm always optimistic. I think we can beat anybody we play, especially the last few years. I'm very excited for this game, but. As we get closer to game time, I'll probably start getting a little nervous. Good thing I'll have that alumni tailgate to kind of cool me down. But uh, I expect a great game, man. I'm excited for tomorrow. You were going to be the one of the few with a double dip, the basketball game in Sunrise, the football game in Tampa. Uh, that got messed up, Mike, for you. Yeah, that ruined my whole Saturday. I was very excited to go watch those two games. I was going to have fun during the first game. I had great seats. And then I couldn't wait to watch UCF play. And they haven't played down here in 10 years, so – been a while for me down here and it got canceled so um, just had to deal with it and move on 
couple of media availabilities for the Knights over in Tampa. Uh, linebacker Tatum Bethune has talked about the importance of what it would mean for the Knights to beat the Gators. It's really big on bragging rights, too, you know, because we say that we're the best team in Florida, so we got to go out there and prove it now. So that's it's real important. Just an exhibition, but they're going to be bragging rights on this one. Yeah, I mean, look, when you play an in-state rival, I mean, these, these kids probably know each other and went to school together. Uh, recruiting battles are, will continue to commence between these two programs. And again, obviously, a lot of the back and forth between social media stuff. You know, this is a game, you know, what, five years in the making. I think we all want to see this game in 2018. Uh, and, the, and the Peach Bowl didn't happen. So a game four or five years in the making. You know, we've transitioned coaches, athletic directors, all the key principals that have, have largely left except for Scott Strickland on the Florida side and yet the rivalry still remains so it'll be a big one I think it's always fun when you get to play somebody in state and uh, I know JP Gilbert's already championing the state champion shirts if we win so uh, that's that's how uh, big a game this is I think for all of us in Night Nation. All the players are very excited for it. you know the fans have been looking forward to this game for years and we thought we were going to have to wait another three years to get it we're getting it sooner as a Christmas gift to us and now we get to unwrap that gift tomorrow night. It's going to be so much fun. The fans are going to be jacked up going into that stadium. I can't wait. A couple moments from now, we're going to be joined by a Gators insider. Uh, before that, though, one of the media availabilities this week, quarterback Mikey Keene, on what he expects to see from the Gators. Uh, their front four is very, very dangerous. They got some, some dudes up there. But uh, honestly, it's just what we have to do um, is just execute our game plan and be able to make plays happen. So that's what it goes goes into every single week. Adam, let me ask you this. Uh, <laughs> I see you, Mike. Um, Adam, let me ask you this. Would you rather the Knights start off on offense or defense in this one? I want to go on offense. I think we know what our defense has, has been able to bring. I think the offense is the question mark. Uh, we saw Mikey obviously make some strides, but with the lineup shuffling all the time between Bowser being out and, and wide receivers being out, I'd like us to go down, put together one of those Gus Malzahn, really solid first drives, get on the board early. So I think the offensive side is where we need the confidence. So let's get them on the field. If they can go down and score early, I, I think that maybe builds that confidence. The defense is playing well. So give me the ball first if we get a chance. If you ask me, give me the defense on the field first. Give me the ball to start the second half. I always like ending the, the half and then getting the ball again the second half. But And the defense is our strongest part of the team. Put them out there on the field first. You know, the same effect we had in the Cincinnati game in 2018, that's going to be a big – like I was just mentioning, the UCF crowd is going to be loud early in that game. Keep them involved as long as you can. What do you expect the crowd distribution to be, Mike? You're going to have to let us know on your social media at UCF Mike uh, one on Twitter. What do you think, 50-50? It's going to be close to 50-50, which if you told us that when we were in school 20 years ago, you would have never thought that would be possible for, between a Gator fan and UCF fans. But here we are, 2021, and I think it's going to be a split house right down the middle. Knights are going to have to do better on third down uh, on offense than they have done all season long. I think that's one of the keys to watch in this game. Also, it's something we talked about on last week's live show, how they manage what we expect to see Isaiah Bowser in this game with Johnny Richardson or Anthony Richards. How, how will they work in all of the running backs? Adam, what keys are you looking for on offense? 
Yeah, I think third down is huge, Trace. Obviously, third down has been sort of our Achilles heel throughout the season. So what can we do on third down? But I think it's most important is what are we doing on first and second down? I think, you know, we throw a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage, a lot of little screen passes to Ryan O'Keefe. Now having a more of a, a running game, hopefully we can get some some of those chunk yards. And can Mikey just make the play he's got to make, play with it himself, don't do too much, you know, stay in the pocket a little bit. We saw him get out a little bit and run against the cows. So if he can get out and, you know, steal five, six, seven yards and get us to the next down i think that'll be key as well so i guess i want to understand really what did mikey kind of mature with gus has been hinting he wasn't healthy the last couple weeks of the season i don't know what that injury is i don't know how bad it was so can we kind of see a more complete you know offensive set i think it's going to be the uh uh, i guess the biggest key from that perspective particularly again on on that third down isaiah bowser we need to give this guy the ball as much as possible 25 plus carries i think if he gets to that that means we're controlling the clock we're moving the ball on them That'd be a very good stat to look out for. And to see how he mixes in Richardson, uh, is he going to use all three if you, if you include Richards? I don't know. I think if Bowser's hot, you know, you spell him with Richardson here and there. But other than that, just keep feeding him. Yeah, I agree with you. We've seen that work successfully. Just keep feeding Isaiah the ball. Uh, the most interesting soundbite perhaps from Gus Malzahn, a veteran of bowl games uh, this week, was maybe less than 10 seconds when he was asked out of the blue about – whether we were going to see wide receiver Jalen Flash Robinson play. Adam, let's hear that for a few seconds. How about a little live Gus translator, Adam? I'm confident. Look, I, 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 uh, I'm a proud, proud graduate of the Bill Simmons School of Body Language. Uh, I can tell you that uh, Jalen Robinson not playing. He actually seemed mad in that clip. Like he wasn't, you know, oh, we're not sure yet. Like he seemed like mad, dismissive. Like he didn't even want to entertain that question. So either he's pulling one hell of a smoke screen against the Gators or B, we're not going to see Jalen Robinson on the field. Our uh, detectives went and examined the picture today. The team picture was taken at Gasparilla Bowl in the stadium, and Jalen Robinson was there. People found him there, so he's been with the team. He's been practicing. Why is he not going to play? Is there an injury they're not really talking to us about? Is he leaving? I don't think we know. I'm hopeful that he is on the field tomorrow. Talking about Night Nation detectives, they dissected like the the Bruder film, the the photo of the players uh, watching Spider Man. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> Determining who was in that photo, starters maybe not in that photo, special teams guys were there. Uh, so I, I think that question about Jalen Robinson, uh, expecting Matt Lee back, he's been positive about Isaiah Bowser. You know, you've got a couple of weeks since that Black Friday game against the Cows uh, to have healed up uh, for this point in the season. It is, of course, the Gators who have a lot of question marks on who is going to be playing, not playing. Let us welcome in an insider for the Gators. He's the host of Locked On Gators. He is Brandon Olson. Brandon, uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the Sons of UCF Live. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so a lot out of uh, Gainesville been going on these last couple of weeks. Uh, Coaching changes. Uh, We're not quite sure who's playing, not playing. Bring us the latest. Who do we expect to see that are key players? at quarterback, namely, and who do you expect we're not going to see? Uh, Anthony Richardson's out. You know, Anthony Richardson's been the superstar at quarterback, despite his uh, inconsistent play, I'll say, but uh, he's been the superstar. He's been the guy everybody wants. He's been the home run hitter. He has been rolled out completely. He's been dealing with a knee injury for a while, hurt it in high school, hurt it earlier in the year, hurt it dancing at a team hotel, and then hurt it again recently against Florida State. So he is done for Emory Jones will be starting despite the fact that he's entering the transfer portal after the game. Jacob Copeland is another name 
who is playing and then entering the transfer portal with this new trend, which I mean, I'm here for, I'm cool with it, but uh, yeah, I mean, quarterback's going to be definitely interesting because this team rotated a lot when it was Emery and Anthony Richardson. I don't know if we'll see the freshman quarterbacks, which I don't think we will, but it'd be fun to see. Well, you, you talked about Emory Jones and, and Jacob Copeland. What's the fan base's reaction to them playing? I know, obviously, I'm sure you want to play your best players, right? But they've already intended to leave. Any backlash from from Gator fans about these two guys playing and sort of what uh, what that could or could not mean for the game? Uh, it's been it's very weird because when you look at Emory Jones, he's someone who's been very hit or miss with fans. You know, you look at the Alabama game in Week Three. 90,000 fans in the swamp and they're booing the quarterback who played genuinely a great game or as good as you can expect from Alabama against Alabama. Um, and he's been very like fans have been like, Oh, you know, like hope nothing for the best for him. Fans are saying that they think it's dumb that players are allowed to play and then transfer, but I don't know why it's, they just don't want to quit on their team. One, one game left, you know, and it's also their last opportunity to get legitimate game film out there before they change schools. So I'm all for it. Fans, I mean, they, they've kind of softened up on Emory Jones. They were very hard on him to start the year, remained hard on him, and then they, they kind of lightened up a little bit. He's a great kid, so it's hard to just hate him because of poor play. That's something that I never really got with fans. And Jacob Copeland, um, fans aren't big fans of him right now. Uh, he's a very outspoken player. He's, he's I don't want to say like a prima donna type, but he's he's a bit of a diva receiver. He wants the ball. He wants to be able to make plays. I don't blame him. I think he's very talented and he's, he's leaving Florida and fans are not super stoked about it because they don't like the way he did it. But Hey, I mean, get him involved and then maybe he won't leave. Every time an sec team loses one of these bowl games, we hear the same thing. The team wasn't motivated. So can that actually be possible with the amount that UCF has been talking the last couple of years to want to shut us up? This team has to be motivated tomorrow night. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, I think motivation is not an issue with this team. You know, I think a lot of these guys, we, we look at bowl games and we go, okay, like that's the end of the season, especially with a bowl game like this, where it's bragging rights. Essentially, you're not fighting for a playoff spot. You're not really fighting for a ton except bragging rights. But then you look at it also, and it's like Florida has a new coach coming in. A lot of these guys, this is essentially a dress rehearsal for what their coach is going to see from them. So I think that motivation is not an issue for that reason. I think winning the battle of Florida is a big thing. You know, Florida over the past couple of years, they beat Miami. They beat Florida state. They beat South Florida this year. They beat Florida Atlantic this year. You guys are all that's left really that Florida needs to take out. So I think they're very motivated to win, very motivated to win this battle. And they're very motivated to put on, I mean, I don't want to say put on a show, but put out for their new head coach. Let's talk about the Gators offense as the season draws to a conclusion. What did they do well? What do you expect to see from them? And talk a little bit more about the positives uh, that Emory Jones brings to the table. I think Emory brings a lot of positives, but he's also one of those guys where he's he's not going to necessarily win you a ton of games, but I don't think he's going to lose you a ton of games. We've seen him throw some bad interceptions that time. This offense, specifically against Florida State when Dan Mullen was gone, uh, they challenged more intermediate and deep range, which they did not do for most most of the season, really. They kept it short. I, I think that we see more passes in that 10 to 20 and then 20-plus range than we saw earlier in the year. The run game's been being blunt. The offensive line, they've been bad. But the running backs and even the quarterbacks, when they run the ball, have been so good and so 
with ball carries. People think that running game in general is fantastic. It's been a lot of the ball carries making up for a poor offensive line, for lack of a better term. And, I mean, the receivers have been very hit or miss. Justin Shorter was the AWOL for the first half of the year and then really lit it up. Jacob Copeland has his games here and there. I'm looking at tight end. I think Kamori Gamble is going to have a big game. You know, he's really heated up. You look at the Florida State game, he made plays. He made more plays after the catch in the Florida State game than I think he made the entire rest of the season combined. So he's really heating up to end his senior year, and he's someone who I'm hoping will have another big game. Brandon, what about this defense? I know there's been a couple of opt-outs on the defensive side. This is the same defense that gave up 42 first-half points to Samford. Uh, what do you expect from the defense? Uh, do you think uh, we get that Samford-level defense, or do we get that Alabama uh, team defense that we saw? Uh, I, I think we'll see somewhere in the middle-ish. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think that they'll be as bad as they were against Samford. That was horrible. And I think that game was more coaching than anything else because that was Christian Robinson, who's our interim defensive coordinator. That was his first game ever calling plays, and I think he got a little too cute with things. He really reined it in towards the end of the year, though. After that, he, he cleaned things up. I really like what he did against Florida State. He did a lot of... Um, disguising of blitzes up front. He simulated pressure as much as he could. I do know that this game, we are, of course, without Zachary Carter. We are without Chris Bogle, who are two of the best pass rushers on the team. And I, I'm hoping that Prince Liam and Mealing, who will be stepping in for Zachary Carter, will be able to make some plays because this team's got to generate pass rush. Javon Dexter has been great at that. Brenton Cox Jr. has been so hot and cold. But I, I think Princely will be able to step up and make some plays, and it, it all starts with a pass rush. I'm very confident in the secondary. I'm very not confident in the linebacker play this year. And if the pass rush can get home, I think that Mikey Keene's going to have a little bit of a rough time. How involved has Billy Napier been in these practices? Is he part of the game planning? Is he trying to put in some of his system, or they're just going with all the stuff from this year? They're sticking with stuff from this year. He he really hasn't been doing much with the practices. He's been there, but he's been talking more. Game planning-wise, he's been involved in discussing what will happen, but he hasn't really been talking or hasn't been active too much in actually like implementing his system or anything like that. This offense, I think, is going to look pretty different than next year than it did this year, so I don't think he wanted to throw too much at them. But uh, he, he's, he's there at the very least, but he's also busy on the recruiting trail, so he's been around. Well, on that note, uh, the coaching staff that has been there all season going to be in this bowl game. Uh, how disruptive is all of this for the players, do you think? A new coach coming in, they want to prove something to him and his staff and, and their loyalties, of course, to their existing coaches. Uh, I, I think it's certainly interesting. You know, I spoke about Christian Robinson earlier, who's the interim defensive coordinator. He's the only player, he's the only coach from this current coaching staff that uh, hasn't been told yet if he'll be retained or not. Everyone else is getting let go but he hasn't been told yet if he'll be retained or not. And I know that I've mentioned this on Locked On Gators, and I've had uh, listeners not too ecstatic about it. I think he's coaching for the potential co-defensive coordinator spot because Patrick Tony, who was the defensive coordinator at Louisiana under Billy Napier, is coming over as the safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator of the Florida Gators. Christian Robinson, before becoming the interim defensive coordinator, was the linebackers coach, and the linebackers coach spot has not been filled yet at Florida. So I'm thinking that this game will kind of decide his future as whether or not he will be the co-defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach, or if he won't have a job on this roster at all. And I think the players want to play for him. Christian Robinson, someone who he got, like I mentioned earlier, he never called the play. He never called the game before this, 
but he got the promotion because Florida is very high on him and the players love him. Like players just love Christian Robinson. They will play hard for him. So I don't think defense is an issue offensively. I think we're going to see a very motivated team here because you've got guys like Kimori Gamble. He's trying to make a name for himself in the NFL. He's out of eligibility. So he's going to be going pro after this. He needs to put a, he needs to put on something on tape that will show an NFL team what he can do. Emory Jones is transferring. He needs, he has one last opportunity to put anything on tape to show his next school, what he's capable of doing. Jacob Copeland, the same thing. Both guys that haven't gotten a ton of opportunity to make great plays. You know, the offense has been relatively basic this year. So Emory needs to put something on tape. Jacob Copeland needs to put something on tape. Kimori Gamble going to put something on tape. This offensive line in general, some of you guys are going to be fighting for jobs next year. Some of you guys are fighting for potential pro careers after this year. I, I think that they're going to be very motivated because this is a Florida Gators team that didn't live up to expectations this year. And I think that there are a lot of question marks about them. So I think that they have to really put something on tape here. Um, although only three weeks old, the, the Billy Napier tenure has already gotten a lot of headlines. Recruiting obviously was a big, a big topic uh, and, uh, and sort of where Florida stands there. How, how would you assess the, the very long three-week tenure of Billy Napier so far? How is he being sort of embraced by the fan base? And uh, overall, um, what's kind of been the, the sentiment around Gator country as you, as you look at your new head coach? Scared money don't make money. It's been as simple as that. People love Billy Napier in Gainesville. He's you know, when you look at national signing day or early signing day, it was very much just we had our guys that were committed and everybody decommitted, but we had the few that remained committed to the Florida Gators. They all signed. And then we stole Shamar James, who I'm ecstatic about, a linebacker out of Alabama that people were like, oh, it's Alabama or Georgia. He came to Florida. And then Kamari Wilson, the five-star safety out of IMG Academy, he came over. So Billy Napier, he kept the guys that we thought we'd keep. And then he stole two more. So early signing period was just a huge positive and a huge win for the Florida Gators. They love Billy Napier, what he's bringing to the team. Culture-wise, we love what he's doing. He seems very intentional in his press conferences and in all of his answers. And, I mean, he seems very genuine, which I'm um, lacking a little bit in Gainesville over the past few years. But, uh, I mean, Billy Napier is all the highlights he's bringing or all the headlines he's bringing and the signings and the recruits. It's just been a fantastic time, and I mean, I'm so excited for the Billy Napier era. You sound pretty confident about tomorrow night, too. What What are your expectations? Do you want to give us a prediction? Um, a Gators win. Uh, I'll say that much. I, I spoke about it. You'll see it on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Gators if anyone wants to hear it. But uh, I, I think Florida wins this game by 10 or 14 points. I'm betting on them to cover the spread. I'm betting on the over. I think this is going to be a game where – they put up points and it, it, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Florida wins and it's no disrespect to central Florida. It's just, I think Florida has a lot riding on this game where a lot of these guys are playing for their future neck, the, the immediate future. And with this new coaching staff coming in, I, I think there's a lot riding. As Billy Napier, he's been very open about nothing will be handed to you. You know, everybody thought, okay, Emory's entering transfer portal. Anthony Richardson's got the starting QB job. And Billy Napier's like, no, you're going to compete for that. We brought in a transfer quarterback, Jack Miller III from Ohio State, which is one of the reasons we lost a high school recruit because apparently uh, Dan Mullen said he wouldn't bring in another quarterback. So Billy Napier is creating competition. You've got to put something on tape if you possibly can. I, I just think Florida is going to come out ready to go. Let's wrap with this. Any chance Emory Jones changes his mind on entering the transfer portal? What an unusual situation, a showcase in a bowl game. 
Yeah, um, I would. I, I I'll be honest. I don't want him to transfer. He's someone who, yeah, he's had his ups and his downs as a Gator, but he he's just a tremendous character. I think he will transfer. I don't think he made that decision with the with any possibility of coming back. I think that he knew when he made that decision and he made that announcement that he'd be gone. Um, as unfortunate as it is, because again, I'm I'm a big Emory Jones fan. You know, going into the year, I was pounding the table for him throughout the year. I was like, let's be patient with him. Um, I, I think he's gone, um, especially with Dan Mullen gone. You know, rumors are that uh, that that Emory Jones didn't really win the quarterback battle, that it was Anthony Richardson, but the coaches had committed to Emory Jones. And that's one of the reasons that he got to start for so long. And then Anthony Richardson got injured and it was very easily Emory Jones job at that point. But uh, I, I, I think he's gone as much as I hate to say it, because again, I, I love the kid. I think he's a fantastic player, and I think he'll be good. But, yeah, he's gone no matter how big of a performance he has. Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. You can find him on Twitter and learn more about the Gators. Thanks so much for joining us on the Sons of UCF Live. Happy holidays to you. Yeah, thank you. Happy holidays and good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. All right. All right, Adam, Mike, what do you think? Emory Jones in black and gold maybe down the line? We'll let you know after tomorrow. If he beats us. And he really, looks really good. We'll like him. If we beat him, then do we really want him? I don't know. I mean, you would think his skill set fits what Gus Malzahn likes to do. Uh, so you'd think at least Gus would take a look at him. Uh, there's plenty of quarterbacks in the portal. And every time one pops in the portal, everyone says, oh, he's going to UCF. Or we're going to get him. And so far, we're like 0 for 9. Uh, so you would think that either A, Gus is waiting for the right guy, or, or B, you know, maybe he hasn't had a chance to seal that deal. Emery, it's close to where he's at right now. He could easily make the drive down to Orlando. He fits a little bit of what Gus wants to do. I think to Mike's point, he's, you know, even Brandon said it, he's a bit, uh, been a bit inconsistent at times. So, you know, we'll see. I, I do think, uh, you know, a transfer to, to UCF would help us get some depth, get some competition. But, you know, I think Mike's, Mike's on, the, on the money with this one. Let's, let's kind of see what happens first before we all start, you know. Now, if he wants to throw us a pick six, come on down to Orlando then. You know what I mean? If he really wants to help us out, you know, throw a couple pick six, a couple of fumble rooskies, I'm all in for that too. Uh, just under 11 minutes, Knights leading 57-51 over North Alabama. By the way, a little history for the Knights uh, basketball program tonight. Taco Fall with his first career start. And by the way, the opening tip-off for the Cleveland Cavaliers game at Boston tonight. Shocker. He had almost a perfect record of that while a Knight. Uh, another former Knight uh, in the news, Mackenzie Milton. You talked a little bit about him uh, on your show uh, coming up. Uh, Hula Bowl, January 15th. My big question that I asked on Twitter this week, will Mackenzie Milton be on the UCF football coaching staff when the 2022 season kicks off? 57.5% said uh, no. 42.5% uh, said yes. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I still think he wants to give a shot at the pros, if not the NFL. There are other leagues, USFL, coming in the spring. Yeah, look, I think he, you know, he probably wants to continue his football options at some point, right, and see what that what that takes him. But I think the reality is, you know, whatever he decides to do, he he's earned the right to take some time to make that decision. You put put yourself in in his shoes where we were coming out of college. You know, maybe you want to take some time to find yourself. Maybe you want to take some time to travel. I mean, he he's been dedicated to football for all these years. He's been in college for six years, so maybe he wants a, a year off to kind of you know uh, feel out you know what's out there and and get some new experiences. So either way, I think he deserves the right to sort of get a chance to be patient with it. I also don't think we should freak out if it's a, if he's not on the staff next year. That doesn't mean he never will be. That doesn't mean that he's he's going to leave and he's never coming back. I, I will say this. Since the moment he you know took his car off the parking lot of Florida State, he has been all UCF. 
he's wearing UCF gears at UCF events. He's changed his Twitter profile. You know, he's, he's pretty much been right back in the UCF family. So I think, I think it's pretty well documented. You know, he, he loves UCF. He loves this goal. He bleeds black and gold. So if he decides to take a year, two years, three years, whatever that is, I, I think his allegiance to us is, is strong. And I think we deserve, he deserves the right to kind of have some room and make some time to define it at the right decision for him. The long-term goal is for him to be the head coach of the UCF team. And that's not going to happen for years down the road. Let him go. Let him grow. Let him get some experience anywhere. If it's here, great. And then he, he may come here for a year or two and then go somewhere else and then come back. So he's going to have a very long coaching career whenever he wants it. Mike, uh, where does Santa Claus hang his suit? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> In the closet. <laughs> <laughs> so you should have skipped this week's show, Mike. Not last <laughs> week's show. Men's basketball, 62-55, under 10-minute mark. Coming up next week, remember, special Wednesday edition, again, of the Sons of UCF Live, because a big tilt, men's basketball against Michigan, nearly sold-out arena. Uh, not quite the same Michigan team that we thought we might get. Uh, they stumbled a couple of times, uh, but that's still going to be a great game. A great atmosphere uh, at the arena. So they're looking to move to eight and two if they can close out here in the last 10 minutes uh, with North Alabama. Women's basketball, uh, they had a tough one. They lost on the road 69-61 at Iowa. Tay Sanders with 20 points. Women are eight and two. Two losses to Iowa, really good team, Tennessee. Uh, so uh, the women continue to, uh, to press and, uh, you know, take you right to the end. They play Princeton December 29 at 5 p.m. Knights down to a five-point lead here. Uh, you know, we talked about the offense. We talked about the defense. Nobody brought up that maybe this game uh, in the Gus Barilla Bowl comes down to special teams uh, and uh, perhaps uh, uh, the need for a kick somewhere along the line to, uh, to give the Knights a victory. An interesting uh, new addition to the Knights is, is going to be a walk-on kicker who joins us now. He's out of Lake Mary High School. Colton Boomer, already a fan favorite. Colton, thanks for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live. What's going on, guys? Great to have you here. What went into your decision? You've been kind of talking nights for quite a while now. Was it always where you wanted to be? Yeah. I mean, it's close to home. It's right here. So I'm like 20-minute drive. So I like being close to family. I mean, my family is like my biggest like support team. So I need to be close to home so they could go out to the games. But... I really love UCF, the coaching staff, like everything there, just everything I need. With a name like Boomer, was there ever a chance you'd play any other position? I mean, I can lay a hit. Don't get that <laughs> wrong, but no, <laughs> kicking is definitely my thing. I grew up playing soccer, so yeah. What's your range looking at right now? I know there's some videos out there of you kicking. What's your longest you ever kicked in a game? In a game is 44 this year. What about but, just messing yeah. around in practice? How far do you think you can hit from? I'm, I want to hit 70, but 67 is the like, farthest I've tried. Not bad. We uh, hoped to have you on last week, but you were busy. You were in the Cure Bowl class. Could talk about that experience. Oh, yeah. That was really fun. It was nice to be out there with everybody one last time. It was a good game to go out on. Hit a 40-yard field goal. Just hit all my extra points, and everybody did their job. Oh, I got a tackle, too. But everybody did their job. It was just, it was fun. It was a fun game. What did you like about UCF's campus when you got a chance to visit? It just, it felt like home. It, it didn't really like, it just felt like I was going down the street. Like, I just loved it. 
you got the cool name already. You've got the hair, so you got the look. You got to start working on these NIL deals. You got anything cooking up in your brain that you're trying to work on before the season comes around? I mean, no. I want to establish myself first before I try to go get any deals. <laughs> Can't be a walk-on kicker walking around with NIL deals. Nah, <laughs> definitely just want to find my uh, place on the campus and on the team first before I try to start doing that stuff. How important is that to kids, though? Uh, we talk a lot about it, and it's been a, a big discussion of uh, you know topic in college sports over the last half year. How, how important was it to you and, and those conversations maybe with UCF about NIL? I mean, it's not that important to me. I like that you can make money. Like, it's obviously a big plus. I just – I'm more worried about the transfer portal than NIL because it's more. I'm more worried about team spirit and like there's not that like same team like energy as like as it used to be. Like I like if if I have a bad game, I could be like, oh, I'm transferring, I'm done. Like I just don't like that. Like you need to be with the team. Like you need to stay on the team. That so you like like a Mackenzie Milton. Like he bleeds black and gold because he's been here. He's been at UCF for a while. Like, but I just. I don't know. I think NIL is a good thing. I just think then you shut down the transfer portal on my uh, my end. But yeah, that's that's my uh, view of it. I don't think it's a bad thing. All right, let's get to know you a little bit off the field here. So I got some uh, I got some questions to get to know you a little bit. Here we go. So, uh, what is uh, what's your favorite subject in school? Oh, physics. Mm. Physics. Jeez. Well, what kind of grades we got in physics? A's. Oh, of course. Uh, who's your all-time favorite athlete? Uh, I don't want to be a fanboy, but probably Matt Prater. <laughs> That's a good call. That's a really good choice. Um, what's your dream vacation spot? Anywhere in the world you could go to vacation. Where do you want to go? Ooh, the Keys. Florida Keys? We love the Keys. <laughs> okay. What's the last movie that made you cry? Oh, Spider-Man. The, the Spider-Man that just came out. <laughs> You're jerk. I haven't no, seen it don't okay. want to give away spoilers there but what, oh, no, what no, was no, a no, moment no spoilers. There. it'll make a grown man cry though okay good to know uh french fries how do you like your french fries do you like curly fries waffle fries oh steak chick-fil-a fries waffle. what do you that yeah it's not a question waffle right? fries waffle fry okay all yeah. right if i if i took your phone right now what's the most embarrassing song you have on your phone i mean i listen to a lot of 60s and 70s like rock I that's not know. embarrassing that's great yeah, i don't really have anything embarrassing yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. he stands by what everything num- in the phone man. <laughs> what number do you want to wear at ucf uh i i mean a single digit number would be cool but i don't really care if i'm on the field i don't really care what's on my chest i like this kid <laughs> you're excited for christmas what kind of gifts are you asking santa claus for this year just Got to finish out my golf bag. That's really it. Just a three iron and 52 degree. <laughs> Any so Christmas you traditions you... you got? Any, I didn't hear you Any Christmas traditions? You watch the same movie every year or anything like that? I mean, I feel like everybody watches Elf, but that's really it. Uh, you mentioned soccer. How long did you play soccer? My whole life. Ever since freshman year, ever since they were like, oh, when you kick her. That was really it, yeah. I was really big into like the travel teams and going around the country, playing other kids from like different states, yeah. Why the transition then to football? I mean, I don't really like running. I like jogging on the field. That's that's <laughs> that's a plus. But it's just yeah, they needed a kicker. 
and I got out there. I mean, I wasn't really good, but I still like liked it. That's when I knew like I actually found something I really, really love is because I was kind of bad at it and I still liked it. So, yeah. You don't get when to run you... anybody over in soccer. No tackling. Oh, no. You can't let when I'm lose. playing, the rules change. <laughs> <laughs> Colton, when are you planning to, to get to campus? When are you going to enroll? Uh, I'm moving in January 8th. Okay, so you're gonna you'll be there in January. Okay. Yes, sir. Awesome. You going to the bowl game tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Got to got to support the boys. All right. Where are you sitting? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in the somewhere in the stands though. And how do you see this game playing out against the Gators? I think that UCF are going to beat the Gators, and then the Gators are going to end up like FSU. <laughs> because my, my whole family are Gator fans, so I really just – I don't want to say I'm hoping for the worst, but, you, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so if UCF's win, uh, are you going to have a lot of bragging rights on the house? Uh, how, how are you going to celebrate that victory for all Not really about? bragging rights, more of just respect. <laughs> you you got to talk trash. If we win I, this no, game, I'm not, after I'm we not win a trash game. talker. I'm not a trash talker. Not to your are your parents gators or something? My dad is my dad. Yeah, you gotta talk trash to him. Yeah. Trust me on I don't know. I don't know. He, <laughs> he uh he controls how much gas I get in my tank, so I don't think I'm gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll ride a bike for a week, it'll be worth it. I yeah, that's true. I'll be on campus, so it won't really matter. So you'll be a January enrollee. What's your uh, plan for a major? Uh I'm, I think I'm going to major in finance, and I know you, uh, UCF has a real estate like program, so I really want to get in there. I really like 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 real estate investing. That like interests me, so I would like to pursue that. Cool. What are your thoughts on Gus Malzahn? You, you had a chance, obviously, to spend some time with him. He's obviously oh, new to UCF. What, what do you think about Gus yeah, Malzahn? I really like Gus. He's just I love everything he stands for. I really like that he's like faith based and really like his relationship with Jesus obviously shows through like the type of person like he carries himself. He's he's a great guy. Like besides a football coach, like I just like him as a person. Like they're just talking to him. He didn't make me feel uncomfortable when I was like he like didn't like impose his power on me. Like he just wanted to get to know me. We didn't yeah, he's just he's a really good guy. Besides football and obviously studying, what are you looking forward to most going into college next year? I mean, getting my education is definitely a big thing for me. I mean, there's a driving range down the street from UCF, which is really cool. But, no, I really just – I just can't wait to get on the campus and just kick balls up there and just get everything going. I mean, that's why I'm going up there in January because I just can't, like, hold my feet on the ground to get up there. Well, a big Night Nation welcome to you, Colton. We can't wait to see you in the black and gold. Have safe, happy holidays, and enjoy that Gasparilla Bowl game in Tampa on Thursday. All right. Thank you guys so much for your time. It was a, it was a really a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Colton. Thanks, Colton. Thanks, dude. All right. We've had a couple of these new guys come cool? on. I, I like his attitude, huh? I, I don't care what number I have, 60s music. I want to hit somebody. I love this kid already. <laughs> yeah, he's uh... – little reserved right now but he's a freshman wait until he builds that confidence and he builds that nil deal like i told him he should he's gonna regret not starting it today i think yeah, did you miss like this that. question last week we we got a question about when is paper and lace going to sponsor an nil deal where are we at with that mike oh man i gotta talk to the boss uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we're getting any new backgrounds anytime soon <laughs>
Uh, Adam, what did the cow say to the reindeer? Move over. Moo. <laughs> Simple as that. 67-60, left. Knights lead North Alabama. Uh, it's, it's, you say one-point game? Yeah, 67-60 with 6.06 oh, to go as we talk. Seven points. Yeah, seven for those of you doing math at home. So uh, I, I like all you, you think uh, he comes in with an opportunity to uh, compete for that spot, don't you? If this kid's hitting 67 yarders, I mean, that, that's pretty darn impressive. Now, I imagine that's with no rush off a tee, you know, in pretty perfect conditions. But if he's got a leg that he can kick that far, uh, I mean, look, I, I think certainly, you know, Gus has said this a lot, you know, competition breeds excellence. So we understand the kicking game hasn't always been our strongest forte the last couple of seasons. So anybody who can come in and, and push whoever's going to be in that room to ultimately make everybody better. If that's Colton, if that's Obarski, if that's somebody else on the team, then I think uh, the more the merrier for that one. So uh, if he can kick 67, I think we're in good shape. Good shape. It's all about who's going to be the most consistent, right? Somebody you can count on from 40 yards in to make them almost every single time and then have the leg to hit the deep ones too. How about him, by the way, Matt Prater, his favorite athlete. I mean, that's a UCF legend. I mean, this kid either A, did his research, or B, I mean, again, what a what an impressive young man. I feel like all kickers probably look up to Matt Prater. He's been in the league for a very long time, and he's had a very good career. The fact that he went to UCF, I think Colton Boomer grew up around UCF, so he's probably yeah. maybe was young enough to watch him when Prater was kicking a few years ago. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, our conversation with Brandon Olson. Are you feeling more or less confident after hearing his breakdown at the Gators? I mean, if I heard him correctly, basically his premise is like, hey, these guys are going to want to play hard, so I think they're going to play well. Doesn't everyone want to play well? I mean, so I don't know that that's the reasoning why I think that they're going to play well, just because they want to get good tape out there. Um, I, I don't know that some coach is going to go, I was going to take Emory Jones, but that Gasparilla bull, bull I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that's uh, specifically how that's going to work out. So are there going to be guys who are going to want to play hard and try hard? Sure. But I don't know that I would hang my hat that that's the main reason why they're going to play well. I think you're going to see a team that's, you know, trying to put a lot of pieces together on the fly. They're going to put a lot of pieces, you know, that maybe haven't fit together and new system, new play. He mentioned, you know, they're going to call different kind of plays in his opinion. You know, have they practiced those? Do they have the personnel for that? So I, I heard a lot of change. I heard a lot of um, a breakup of continuity. So I think that's a bit of a red flag if I'm a Gator fan that, you know, we're going to try to squeeze all this together. And again, his hope being that people are just going to play really hard so they can get good game on tape. I, I don't know that I buy that. He sounded pretty confident that we were going to lose by 10 to 14 points. I think he's going to be in for a long night tomorrow night. Um, I, I'm not really that scared. Um, I, I'll probably be a little nervous tomorrow. But right now, <laughs> I think this guy is like looking at fool's gold right now with the way the Gators have been playing. Can UCF's defensive line get pressure and disrupt Emory Jones? Uh, we saw with Louisville's quarterback how he was able to beat the Knights play after play, get out on the edge. Can, can UCF rattle him? Well, can they get pressure? Yes, particularly after Brandon Olson just told us our offensive line has not been good all year. But can they contain him? That's the other story, right? If you want to rush up the field and have wide open lanes up the middle, then all the pressure in the world is not going to help you. So it's more about can they contain him? Can they keep him in the pocket? Can they be, you know, sound in their rush lanes? You know, and can guys get home and, and sort of keep him in the mix? You know, it's curious to see, will T. Will put a spy on him? You know, will one of the linebackers sort of be spying Emory out of the backfield? Will that be part of what they want to do? So I think they can get pressure, particularly after Brandon says they're offensive line is not good i think containment is probably the better uh the better thing we have to work for 
Well, that means we're going to have to get pressure with the guys up front, and the linebackers are allowed to sit back a little bit. And if he does get past that first line, then they're able to contain him. If you're blitzing too much, that's when he just takes off and springs one. That's where I think we could get hurt. Let's, uh, as men's basketball is looking to close this one out with North Alabama under four, still with a six-point lead, let's open up the mailbag, get to some questions. But first, Mike, what do you call a snowman with a six-pack? I don't know, man. <laughs> the abdominal snowman. Good one. That was it's actually right the best so. one so far. Thank you. Do you own Do you own these books? Do you rent them just for no, the holidays? I, no, I, I, my niece loves these kind of jokes. I get her these okay. joke books, and she loves these. So uh, we, we picked out a couple last night to share with okay. you tonight. Uh, let's open up that mailbag at uh, Nightfan94. Is T-Will going to come out with some shock and awe blitz packages for the Gators? It's going to take some raw aggression and risk-taking, shut down the run game and Embry scramble, make them beat us through the air, and I like our chances. Well, like Mike just said, if we blitz, it could be risk reward, right? Because if if we, you know, if we don't get home and then we open up uh, major rush lanes throughout the field, obviously that could be a challenge. So, uh, T. Will's been uh, uh, pretty aggressive on the blitz. We've seen a couple of cornerback blitzes, safety blitzes. Uh, Hodges has, has been kind of uh, that's been his hallmark the last couple of games. But I think it's got to be strategic. It's got to be uh, you know smart. Uh, he's got to make sure that he's got coverage that's able to roll to one side or the other. If that means a spy on Emory Jones, and that, that may be the case there. So I'm curious to see what T. Will can dial up. I mean, the reality is we all have the horror story of Louisville and Malik Cunningham running all over us. While I don't know that you know Emory Jones is the exact same athlete as Malik Cunningham, he's obviously a bit smaller than Malik Cunningham is. That still is a concern. So what did we learn from the Louisville game to take into this one? So I think blitz when needed, but I think you got to be careful to make sure you're not over blitzing and exposing you to, to rush lanes for Emory Jones. You need a big game out of Ricky Barber, Big Cat, Trayvon. Those guys are the ones that have to force the issue and then um, get pressure up the middle. You mentioned uh, Big Cat uh, has accepted an invitation to the East-West Shrine game. So uh, another opportunity for him to showcase his skills, which leads us to this question from Robert at two letters, two words. Will bowl games become transfer portal auditions? I think so. I don't know. Like, I'm really confused at the Gators' philosophy of letting these guys play. Mike and I talked about this on the show, and I don't know all the specifics, but I guess there's not a rule that says you can't play for the team if you're in the portal, right? Um, I guess that's more of a team decision to determine whether or not they want you to keep playing for them. So I I, I guess maybe. But I think with early signing day, I think what the challenge becomes, coaches are going to have to make decisions on how they want to use their spots. So do they want to use their spot on that four-star high school kid that they think is going to work out, or do they want to hold it and wait for a kid to play his bowl game and then go transfer portal? So I think there's going to be a bit of a numbers game at some points in time. So someone's going to get squeezed out here. Either high school kids are going to get squeezed out or the transfer portal guys are going to get squeezed out. So I would think most of these guys maybe want to get in early so that they can guarantee their spot. They can sort of pick their school and not have to be restrained by by scholarships. But, I mean, we're going to see transfer as transfers after this uh, bowl season. So I guess both are true. But I think that's a risky proposition if I'm a, if I'm a, a current college football player. If this was my football team and I had guys that were entering the portal, you wouldn't be allowed to play on my team. I'd make that rule. And I, it's always, it was on the team with these guys. You know, things start going sour for them in the first half of this game. They may start turning on each other. They're not playing for each other next year. So I think this is a bad thing for the Gators. I'm happy it's going to happen. And I think we're going to take advantage of it. Speaking of bowl games, uh, news today, the Texas A&M is backing out of the Gator Bowl because of uh, not enough players because of COVID issues. And now the Gator Bowl scrambling for an uh, opponent, uh, perhaps a team that's already played a game. 
uh, more nonsense during bowl season. Yeah, I mean, look, there's any number of five and seven teams that are out there. I think that are probably a better fit. Now, those teams, you know, still practicing. Can they get a a game together in time? Uh, Who the heck knows? It's just a it's a cluster of a situation. Uh, I mean, I understand from the Bulls perspective and Wake Forest perspective, they want to keep playing. But I mean, somebody's got to make an adult decision at some point in time. Is it really the right idea to ask Coastal to strap it back up one more time and go play? I'm sure they would because that's what kids want to do. They want to play ball. But is that really the right thing to do for for either side? And that that really makes it an exhibition at that point, right? Because you'll have no time to prep. You'll have no time to put a game plan in. So, you know, what's what's the risk of this? How many people are going to get injured? You know, what's what does this really mean for the kids? So I get why you want to do it, but it just doesn't feel like the right thing for me. Forget Coastal. Let's do it us ourselves. I want two games. Let's extend this season as much as possible. I have to go nine months without watching UCF football. Give me a second game in Jacksonville. Adam, you can go to that game. Um, and it's what, a, a week away? It's just like during the regular season. You play every week. We start game planning on Monday. It's interesting. You know, part of this, of course, a big part of it, all of it really is money. And the Gator Bowl doesn't have to make that payout uh, if this game isn't played. Also out today are the NCAA rules that say uh, in the final four, if one team can't play in its game, then the other team wins via a forfeit. It won't be rescheduled. And then uh, so that's interesting. Of course, that popped up all of the uh, UCF will declare itself national champions jokes all across social media today. Yeah, those are always creative. I love when we dust those old jokes back off. Uh, are those in the joke book you have, Trace? I don't know. But no. um, yeah, this this whole obviously COVID <laughs> ramping back up right now. I mean, let's just hope we get this game in tomorrow. Um, it's probably advantageous to have a pre-Christmas game at this point because I think a lot of this stuff's going to be tenuous. So um, we've got 24 hours to make it through to, to get to game time. Let's just cross fingers and toes and whatever we have that we're able to get the game off. And then, you know, I think the rest of the football season, you're seeing hockey. I think they, they're going on a break. They're not sending the hockey players to the Olympics. I think, you know, we, we've got a bit of a surge we have to get past here and, and uh, it definitely could get uh, worse where it gets better. Yeah. This game gets canceled while I'm halfway up to Tampa tomorrow. I'm going to be very upset. So we should have known by tonight, right? I mean, with the Florida state game, we found out the day before when did they was the last time they test? Is it this afternoon? Should we already know the results? You do bring up something interesting, Mike, is that uh, which players uh, perhaps for any team in bowl might not end up playing because of a COVID uh, test right close to a game kickoff. So that's a, that's a wild card in this as well. Uh, you see the score on your screen, men's basketball 75-64 over North Alabama. Darius Perry with 15. Balance scoring here, C.J. Walker with 13. Uh, Jamil Reynolds with 12. So Knights are victorious in this one. Uh, to move to uh, eight and two uh, at Chad UCF is UF's quarterback transferring here after he played. I think what Trace meant to say is is UF's quarterback <laughs> transferring here after the Gasparilla Bowl. Obviously, Emory Jones, as we talked about, I think it's a possibility. He's obviously in the portal. He fits a lot of what um, what Gus's system would have, Mike. Um, but he's going to have his suitors right now. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, schools, teams looking for quarterbacks. He's going to have his suitors. UCF probably has some advantages being right down the road, being close. You know, uh, Gus was very much uh, open about telling people at his press conference that he knew Emory Jones. He, he coached against them, a great kid. So he was definitely gassing him up a little bit. So I guess it's a possibility. I wouldn't rule anything out at this point. Maybe it's a Jones and Copeland deal together. Maybe the two of them, they take their two best offensive players and plug them in next year. But after we beat them, of course. I can't have them beat us and then come talk trash to us all season next year, too, on our own sideline.
Yeah, that would that would not work out. Well, we've got a new Trace Trelco on the screen. We have two Trace Trelcos now. Oh boy. Both of you are here. I'm not taking the <laughs> other one off. This is how we're doing the rest of the show, Trace. <laughs> All right, what I miss? Wi-Fi went a little hiccupy. Yeah, um, we uh, we're not sure if Emory Jones is coming to uh, to UCF, but you know if he uh, if he fits the system, we'll take him. And Mike wants a two for one with Copeland. <laughs> That's your Sons of UCF update. Two for none. Thanks for bringing that in. At uh, JP Gilbert, always. Golly, a guy's got a lot of bad takes. He's against night moves uh, on his Twitter today, uh, the, the dancers at the games. Uh, he does ask, though, after we beat UF, will you acknowledge UCF as the 2021 State of Florida football champions? Of course. Yes. Make a T-shirt for that. Yeah, print the, print the shirts. <laughs> Florida State beat Miami. Florida beat Florida State. And now we will have beaten Florida. So, yes. Done deal. Simple. At Brian W. Peterson, on the flip side of this, uh, if UCF loses the game Thursday, how many fans will forget the Knights were 8-4 and four with so many injuries in Gus's first season and act like the season is a total loss? And as Brian accurately predicts, you know that there will be a group of fans who have a meltdown. I think Mike's among them. <laughs> I mean, it depends how we lose, guys. If we go book a bowl replay tomorrow and we're just embarrassed from beginning to end, it can't be looked on as a great season. I don't care. You break down the schedule and look at the wins we have. Yeah, eight and four. But, I mean, we lost to all the good teams. So, yeah, if we win tomorrow, it changes the whole narrative. Yeah, I mean, I think a win uh, definitely puts a nice bow on this season. You know, it probably erases some of the uh, some of the bad taste we had after some of the games, uh, particularly the ones where you just got curb stomped in the Navy game. Uh, but a loss, and we saw what happened last year. We lose to, uh, to BYU, and we went reeling into the offseason. Obviously, things changed quickly with the coaching change, but that, you know, that's why these bowl games, particularly you know, when you're going to play a, a, you know, a team uh, in-state like we are, it can definitely leave you with a with a bad a bad omen going into the next season. So I think a win's important, or at least a game where we're in it. And you know, if we lose on a last second field goal, Mike, do you feel differently? I'm more upset. <laughs> sure, <laughs> well, it hurt a lot more. But you know what? Look at the the worst loss I think we've ever suffered. I mean, before the Boca Bowl, I guess the Cure Bowl, and look how the next season turned out after that. So I guess you never really know. Oh, Mike's calling it now. Undefeated season 2022. <laughs> a tradition well, unlike any other. <laughs> Is it possible that this game moves into some of your categories on the show, right? You know? I think it, that Liberty spot, that Liberty yeah. spot is tenuous, right? For the, for the quote, second place, best thing. So that Liberty spot is tenuous. Um, Hawaii. I mean, it's such a long time ago. If this goes badly, I think that Hawaii spots up for grabs. Is the worst ranking the cure or the Boca now? I forget. Cure was retired. It's now the Boca. Boca. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you certainly let's, let's keep that one there. We don't need yeah, one that that's replaces not, that's that. Not moving in. Well, let's hope not for crying out loud. If, that, if this thing replaces the Boca Bowl, we got much bigger problems. <laughs> Uh, Mike, have you ever left a game or what was the last game you left early because of your disgust with the outcome or the team play? Oh, I mean, I remember leaving the game in 2007 against the Cows with still some time left on the clock. I, I made it, I think, to the fourth quarter, but I didn't stick around to the very, very end. I can't remember too many others. Um, I usually take the beatings all the way to the end. I think the Boca Bowl, I was there to the end. I, you I've were there to the end, yeah, and, and then some. <laughs> I've been at some bad ones before. But the only one I really remember leaving early was that 2007 64-12 game. I just couldn't take it anymore. Well, can we get actually probably the most important question, Trace? Mike, can we get an update? Have you made a decision on the jersey? You you had a jersey that you weren't sure what you were going to do. You were uh, tossing around, maybe throwing a hoodie over that. Have you made a final decision here the night before the game? Everyone needs to know what's Mike's plan. I'm definitely bringing the hoodie. 
So you may not see if I'm wearing the jersey or not, but I don't think I am. Everyone's just going to leave it at home. <laughs> I don't want anything okay. to do with it. The last three times I thought I put it on thinking th good things were going to happen. And some of the worst losses we've ever suffered happened those days. So and I don't think I can do it. Probably the most important stat for everybody at home, natural grass field. You know mm. what that means. We did not lose Big our natural three. grass this year. Yeah. So rules are rules. I like that stat. <laughs> at uh, night underscore merchant, which Christmas movie title would you use to best describe the outcome of the bowl game? Jeez. Die Hard. Because that's what's going to have to happen. Because oh, now you're going to you're going to bring up whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> well, it is. Well, it is. Even Die Hard Two is basically a Christmas movie. And I've actually recently watched them the last week. Now my daughter started liking them. We're on part three right now. Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard's awesome. Kids I'm are not good. saying it's not. I just I did not <laughs> think that to to be. Yeah, it's a good question. I I mean I don't know. Hopefully, uh, you know, after the game, Emory Jones is home alone. I don't know. So keys, let's, uh, as we wrap up this show, keys for you. What, what do you see playing out on both sides of the ball? What is your prediction? On offense, I mean, don't hurt ourselves. Mikey, just make make the solid, smart play. I think Gus has got to keep things kind of in, in, in check, keep it reined in. But then when we have those those opportunities, take our shots and hopefully we hit those. Uh, I think Mike said, I saw David Reed said this earlier. I'll put it back on the screen. We are 3-0 and when Bowser touches the ball at least 20 times. That sounds like a, a good recipe. Defensively, again, I think that the secondary has, has played well. I think you know they need to do their part, but I think it's all about containing Emory Jones. If we can contain Emory Jones in that running game, uh, I definitely feel good about it. And then don't do anything dumb on special teams. We've done that too many times this year where we've given up a punt block we've given up something don't do anything dumb on special teams play solid play sound heck i'd love a, an actual a play on special teams to actually work in our favor but don't do anything dumb on special teams just do what you got to do get off the field one area that we were pretty good at for like the first half of the season was in the red zone we were putting a lot of touchdowns on the board last couple of games we kind of had to settle for some field goals here and there we weren't that explosive if we get close enough we got to put the ball in but take points every single time. We can't go down there, have a nice long drive, and then miss a short field goal either. So anytime you get a chance to put points on the board, go ahead and do it. Defense, bend, but don't break. The, the two red zones is going to be the key to this game. If we are able to finish drives and if we're able to stop them and hold them to field goals. You know, we've been talking about whether this game is an audition for the transfer portal. I think this is an interesting game for Mikey Keene to show us that he's made progress, right? He has done a good job over the second half of the season not turning the ball over. But if you're him and certainly Gus Malzahn and his staff, uh, you want to go into spring ball with a lot of confidence on a positive performance by Mikey Keene in this game. Yeah, look, Mike mentioned that 2016 season. Obviously, we, you know, McKenzie uh, played in that Cure Bowl. Things did not go well. And when 2017, he came back a much more focused player. Um, and so, you know, maybe this is that sort of springboard for Mikey. I, I, again, I, can't, I hate to keep doing the KZ to Mikey comparisons because I don't think it's fair to either one of them, frankly. But I think it, this is now Mikey's team. Whatever the Dylan Gabriel stuff is behind everybody, we all know what's going on now. So there's none of that kind of looking behind the shoulder. Uh, and, and we'll have a chance to see if he kind of grew and matured. But I think when we look back on this season, five, Five years from now, whatever. I, look, I think Mikey Keene did just about as good as you can expect a true freshman quarterback to really do, and as, particularly with all the things going on behind the scenes. So I think he definitely deserves, you know, a, a round of applause from Night Nation for, you know, keeping the ship right at this year as best he could, you know, keeping things together. And I think he's poised for a breakout game at some point. I, I Let's hope this is it. Let's just hope this is his breakout game. And uh, he's able to springboard that into 2022. King Kong, baby! 
This is it. This is his coming out party against the Gators to end the season. We're going to be very excited for next year watching him come back. But I was thinking earlier today, remember when I did the, um, the, the best plays, the top 64 plays March Madness last year? What's the play that sticks out to you guys this year? Do we have a signature play? I don't think any plays from this season would even crack that 64. So this is our chance, a play against the Gators, a nice game-winning drive, a touchdown, something like that. We have, these guys have a chance to really put a stamp on this season with a win on tomorrow night. I like how you're thinking. Give you some content uh, in the offseason, a new uh, highlights package to put together. Of course, if you haven't listened to the Sons of UCF pod that dropped uh, Tuesday, uh, number 161, be sure to carry that with you on your drives uh, from all over the state of Florida to Tampa. Uh, Mike, where are you sitting so folks can look you up? I'm not telling you people. Are you crazy? I don't need all my groupies coming around. <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> uh, I'll be in 107. Section 107. Let me wrap with this. Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? I wash. I wash, I wash you. I wash you a Merry Christmas. Happy Gasparilla Bowl, everyone. <laughs> Happy holidays. Remember, we'll be in this same time period. A week from now, Wednesday, 8 to 9, we're going to be talking about that UCF men's basketball game against Michigan. Be safe, everyone, in your travels. Happy holidays. Good night, Adam and Mike. Charge on, guys. Go Knights, I guess. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.